I spent the last three years learning from some of the best business minds inside the game of basketball. And now I've left my nine to five to create freedom and have fun while doing it. So the question is, how are hoopers and basketball fanatics like us using those same skills that gave us success on the court to give us success in our new sport of business? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I learn, apply, share knowledge, and change lives through the game that changed mine. My name is Myson Jones, and welcome to the Basketball to Business podcast. Corey, whenever you're ready, we will transition to you, sir. Phil, great stuff. Um, can you guys hear me? Want to make sure I'm, I'm coming through. All right. Apologies. Uh, my Wi-Fi connection is a little off right now. I'm in a hotel in Orlando. But um, thank you guys so much uh, for the opportunity to speak again. I, I promise I'm going to do a better job, Phil, of not going over my time because uh, I was terrible last time. But here we go. I want to talk to you guys about a couple of things, uh, my skill development philosophy. Um, as some of you already know, maybe some of you don't, um, I'm the director of pro with the skill factory down in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, we just wrapped up uh, three months of NBA pre-draft work with about 10 to 11 guys. That's why I'm in Orlando right now for a draft party. Hopefully some of our guys' names get called. Um, and I'm also the general manager at a, a facility called Shoot360. ATL, where we do a lot of training out of as well, coached overseas. And um, yeah, so blessed to be here. Um, real quick, nothing I'm going to say to you um, is rocket science. A lot of this stuff that I'm going to share with you, in my opinion, um, it's, it's common knowledge, but I think that it's not sexy. So it, it, it might not go over your head per se, it might not be groundbreaking, but I feel like if you can stay consistent in what I'm about to share with you, then you can actually set a trend. You can become groundbreaking as a skill development coach. You can you can change the way that you go uh, where you're at and you can attract a higher level of client. Um, I started out with six and seven year olds, right? And now the majority, I say 90% of my clients are professionals, but that, that, that wasn't by accident. Um, I was intentional about it. I, I didn't have any connections or anyone to put me on. Um, I just made sure that I marketed myself as Phil was sharing with you guys, and I conducted myself as a pro coach to the best of my ability. So anyway, um, my process and philosophy on player development. Number one, I'm big on gathering available film. Now, some of you guys in this in this Zoom, you might work with, with kids. I mean, even if you're working with a six-year-old and they have parents that go to their game, they're probably videoing that game in 2022. I'm even going to gather that type of film like there's there's no film uh, too small or too insignificant. So I'm I'm always looking to start off with gathering film. Now, that's super huge if you're working with NBA, WNBA, Division one players. But that's where you start. And then within that same number one, I'm looking to collaborate with coaches or other people that are involved with this player's development and the player themselves. I think too many times we in the skill development industry. We just kind of freelance and we get in the gym with a player and we all are, we have egos. Even I have one. We believe when we get in the gym, we can just figure out everything that that player needs to work on. That does not mean that you don't have an eye. A lot of you in this group, you guys have a lot of experience and you can look at a player in a workout and see some weaknesses, but there's some things that a player can do really well in a workout that they may not be able to do in a game. And there's things that maybe you're working on in, because of the personality type of that player or wherever they were brought up, they may not be good in drills, but they're a gamer. So you need to be able to go and get that film. You need to talk with their other coaches, 
for whatever respective teams they play for, and you need to conversate with the player themselves. Notice I didn't say parents. That's fine if you do, but a lot of times parents are biased. Uh, number two, I'm big on creating evaluation films. So what, what I mean when I say that is I'm going to get on iMovie. I'm going to use Wondershare, Wondershare Filmora uh, on, on my desktop. Or some of you, you have uh, all types of better programs on, on your MacBooks or whatever laptops you use. I'm using that so that me and the player can like go to the movies. Like we're going to sit down in the bleachers on the court in a chair before the workout starts. And we're actually going to not just look at the things that they do wrong. We're going to look at the things they do right. And then I might even pull a comparable NBA player, high school player or college player and show them what their goals should be, like how they should want to look or how they should want to play, depending on whatever it is that I want them to focus on. Right. So now that player is motivated. They're inspired. Kids love that type of stuff. Now, I would say if you're going to use that, that type of footage, keep it short. I'm not going to sit with a kid for 30 minutes. I'm going to sit with them for two minutes, four minutes, five minutes. But I understand that kids have short term uh, or excuse me, short attention spans. So I don't want to bore them with the film. I want to get straight to the point and make sure that they get something from it quickly. And now my drills don't have to be like I said before. It doesn't have to be freestyling. I'm going to use drills that build a player's foundation. Here's an, a quick example. Uh, we had Al Durham who played at the university or Providence University uh, last year, and he's been with us for the past three months. Before Al, Al even came to step foot on the court for one workout, for a month and a half, I was watching his game film on Synergy. For a month and a half, I'm thinking of what drills specifically are going to pertain to the skills that he needs to work on. I'm trying to find out his history, injury-wise, if he played the point before he got to Providence and in all of that digging, guess what I learned? I was playing with the sports hernia. So some of the things that I thought were his weaknesses in the March Madness tournament and in the Big East tournament turned out not even to be his weaknesses. Some of them were just due to the fact that he was hurt. Then by talking with them, I found out that he never even played point guard growing up in high school and in his first few years of college at Indiana. At Providence, that was literally his first time running a team at that level. So just from investigating, we saved ourselves so much time once we got with him. And now he's on people's draft boards and he has the opportunity potentially to be drafted in the late second rounds when he wasn't even being considered for a workout before the summer started. So that's just an example of how your investigation and how your planning can make your work so much sweeter. Uh, number number five, I would say use concepts and drills to challenge a player's decision-making ability. So I'm going to go back over them real quick. Number one, gather available film, collaborate with the coaches and player. Number two, create an evaluation film, share with them if you can. Number three, use footage and notes to create a plan of attack. Number four, use drills that build that player's foundation based off of your plan of attack. And then number five, what I'm on now is the concepts and drills that you use must incorporate some type of decision-making. So I'm huge on, if we're working on ball handling, I have to figure out a way for you now to make the same move that we've been practicing, whether stationary or on the move, you have to be able to make that move while I'm giving you some type of read. Now with the kid, that could be just holding up the number one, the number two, and getting them just to interact with you. With an intermediate player, it could be them doing it while you're bumping them or giving them contact. But once that player, I won't say master, but once they get a grasp 
of the move, of the how, the why. Now you need to teach them the when. So that's where our creativity as coaches has to come into play, where if I cut you off, here's when you make the move. If I maybe cut you off and then slide my feet one more time, what's your counter? Those are the types of conversations we don't have enough in the basketball community and in our workouts. It's too much like go here, do this, do that, and then that. And now players feel crippled. For my first four or five years in the industry, I actually was a pretty bad coach. That's just my perspective. Other people may say different, but I think I was because I didn't know what I'm teaching you guys right now. And that's you have to teach reads. Now, if you want some good drills for reads and reactions, I can give you some, but the truth is you don't need a new drill. You just need to figure out how to make whatever you're using into a read and react drill. Um, and then lastly, as regards to my process on philosophy and player development, you need to go from one-on-one and one-on-one to concepts that translate to two-man and three-man actions. So for instance, a kid, a, a beginner player, you're doing a lot of just stationary ball handling or form shooting or other things that are gonna build up their fundamentals. Even with a child, a six-year-old, I can teach a six-year-old, and I've done this before, how to backdoor cut, when to backdoor cut, and why. That's a two-man action. A lot of coaches are afraid when they're working with beginners to build to that point. But if you stop before you get there and you are not thinking progressively to make sure that that kid understands they're gonna have four other teammates on offense, there are five players on defense, you're crippling that player. So we have to do a better job. And just like Coach Phil said, shout out to my man, Coach Coop, Gannon, all the other coaches who have been pioneering this movement. Cody Topper is huge. I think you guys should look him up. Uh, Nick Friedman is another one. He's big in that area as far as multiplayer workouts and multi-positional workouts. But you've got to incorporate backdoor cuts, pick and roll, DHO, delay, zoom, splits. I could go on and on. If you like a list of, of actions um, or even a playlist, I have a YouTube playlist that I built and I actually share with all my interns at the Skill Factory for them to study. Please let me know. I will send you, I'll put it in the chat actually. I'll you put the uh, YouTube link to that playlist and anything else you guys might want, please just uh, let me know and I'm, I'm a resource for you guys. But uh, hopefully I'm good on time, Phil. I don't want to run over too long. Am I, am I good? Can't see you. Like you got plenty of it, no? I got yeah, plenty of time. Yeah, you got All 10 right. minutes, bro. You got 10 minutes. All right. I'm, I'm trying to do better than I did last time. Forgive me. Hey, don't, so, don't do the pastor thing. Land that plane, not like a pastor, though. 10 minutes. Okay. All right. So here we go. Now, your goal, make sure you write this down. Your goal as a coach, when you're in workouts, is to be specific. It's not to freestyle. The word specific, specify, specificity, uh, however you want to say it, be as specific as possible when you teach. Here's an example of that. If we come into the gym and your player says, hey coach, what are we working on today? And you say, shooting. You've already missed, missed the bus. You're already off. That is a broad concept. There's nothing wrong with the aspect of shooting. It is a part of the game. But that is not what you're actually focusing on that day. You know in your mind you're actually coming into the gym because this kid can't catch and shoot or this kid can't shoot off the bounce or this pro you're working with needs to work on shooting from the post. If you're going to be a, a, a coach that gets results, 
you have to stay away from coming into the gym and just having these broad terms in mind. When you sit down and you make your plans, I want you to do, and I learned this from Drew Hamlin, shout out to him. I'm, I'm big on giving people their roses because there's a lot of great individuals in this game. Drew Hamlin taught me something called brain dump. So if all of you want some homework, I'm giving it to you now. All you need to do is take the word shooting and then under shooting, make bullet points of every single aspect of shooting that you can think of. So shooting off the move, shooting off screens, shooting off the catch, shooting off the bounce, right? Shooting out of the post, turnaround jumpers. Those are specific concepts within shooting that will allow you now to create your own basketball philosophy and basketball curriculum and basically a drill book that like Phil is trying to teach you guys could one day be a product that now not just you could sell, but you could use to help other coaches and mentor others. You don't know what you know because you haven't sat down and actually listed it out. So my homework for you guys is take some time and do a brain dump. Another example, defense, that's a broad concept. A specific aspect of defense is on-ball perimeter defense, right? Off-ball defense, defending the post, weak side help, pick and roll defense. You see what I'm saying? Less is more in this industry. If you want to be great, you have to become specific. Find out what things you're comfortable teaching. Stick with that. While you in the wings, when people don't see you, build on the things that maybe you're not comfortable teaching. I had no understanding of how to teach a turnaround jumper a few years ago. So while I just focused on perimeter ball handling skills for the majority of my coaching career early on, I spent time around post players. I spent time around big men. I went and watched other people work out guys who played on the wing and could post up. I had conversations, like I said, with Drew when he was working with Andrew Wiggins when he played in Minnesota and asked him questions. How do you develop his turnaround jump? So in order to truly teach your players a concept, I believe you have to be able to do something called reverse engineering. Phil and I talk about this all the time. You have to be able to break something down into parts. So an example of that would be like a side pick and roll. But maybe you want your player to go into a right-hand floater finish off two feet. Every part of that concept that I just said, side pick and roll into a right-hand floater off two feet, those are all variables. You need to define each one of them. Side pick and roll, how do we set that up? Is the player that we're working with today handling the ball? Or is he setting the screen? What's the variable? Define that. We'll call that A. Once we define A, that itself can even be a workout. We could just work out on setting up a ball screen. Phil does it all the time on his Instagram, showing guys how to crab dribble and dribble with pressure and put somebody on their shoulder. That could be a whole workout. A lot of coaches don't even work on that enough. Then it's the decision-making part of, do I reject or use the screen? That's a whole workout reading the guy guarding you and figuring out, am I looking to turn the corner? Am I looking to not even use the screen? So now you can move to B. Once the player understands A, B could be actually turning the corner, getting downhill. Maybe your player struggles with driving. Like Phil shows on his Instagram, how do you keep a player on your hip once you get them there? That's a workout. C could be the finish, the floater off two feet. How many different ways can you finish off two feet? 
What if you can't go straight up with your floater? Do you shot fake and step through? Are we fading? Are we drifting to the left or to the right? Once I define these variables, if you're a very skilled coach and you've been around the game, you can do all three of those things in a workout. And now a player who has no concept and felt uncomfortable when you first introduced the pick and roll into a drive, into a two-foot floater, now you've pieced it all back together. And by the end of the workout, they see it panoramic because you've broken each concept and you've worked on it individually. Maybe you start backwards in the beginning of the workout and just work on floaters for the first 15 minutes. Then for the next 15, you work on driving into the floater. Then in the, the last 15 to 20 minutes, you're now going to work on the ball screen, where the defense is, the angle of the screen, how to turn the corner, and then finish with them turning the corner and finishing off two feet with a floater. There's no reason why we can't find innovative ways to communicate with today's player. We're just making excuses. These kids don't listen. These kids aren't the same as we were. You have to figure out how to reverse engineer and talk the lingo that makes sense to them. My last thing, and, and hopefully I'm landing this thing on time. Here are some non-negotiables in skill development. These are Corey's. I believe that every coach that's on this Zoom should have their own. So I'm not giving you a list as like the Bible or law. I'm giving you a starting point and I want you to come up with your own. So add this to your homework. My first non-negotiable in skill development is self-awareness. I want to be self-aware and I want every player I work with to be self-aware, meaning I am not Phil Handy. I am not Gannon Baker. I am not Phil Morrison. I need to be self-aware. How is my tone? How is my volume? Is what I'm saying connecting with that player, right? Am I being myself or am I being a copy of someone else? What's my origin story? Where do I come from? How do I best communicate and bridge the gap? And then the player needs to know their identity. So they need to be self-aware. Number two, I need to be present-minded. If I'm in a workout, you're rarely going to see me with my phone. No disrespect to anybody here in this Zoom, but I don't feel like I can multitask as well as maybe some of you. So therefore, I am wherever my feet are. If my feet are on the ground at the free throw line, my mind is at the free throw line. And that way, my players get something from it. If I'm in the gym, for instance, I'm working with a guy, um, NBA veteran. I won't say his name. He's trying to get back into the league. He's been a little out of shape. Super cerebral. Most people are nervous to work with him because he's so smart and he's a little bit intimidated. He has a narrative about him right now that he's somewhat not a hard worker and that he can like be a little aggressive, right, and, and, and come at you. None of that stuff is true. He's been amazing. But when he's even shooting his free throws, I can't relax because he is so smart that at any moment he'll ask me a question. What you see in that last free throw? Now, he's shooting 50 or 100 mates at the end of a workout, but he wants to know, what did you see on the 49th free throw? So if I let my mind wander at any time and I'm not focused on his feet, his hands, how he spins the ball, his release, He's going to start calling BS on me and he's going to look to work out with someone else because he wants that much feedback all the time. So I don't mean to harp on being present minded, but when you get to higher levels of skill development, you better bring that because kids sometimes don't know that you're not paying attention. Pros know. Uh, number three, humility and uh, a collaborative, oh, excuse me, collaborative spirit. I had to do this whole pre-draft process this summer with my man, Coach Rob Allen out here in Atlanta. People ask me all the time, how did you two work together at the same time? 
like how did y'all work with players every day on the court together two separate business entities two separate skill development coaches we've never worked together before and it's because i have a sense of humility he has a sense of humility and we want to collaborate there's things he does that i can't do there's things phil morrison does that i can't do so when i'm on the court with any coach i'm not looking to figure out what i do that's better than him i'm looking for him to just put the player first and then i want to do the same thing but i want to do it the way that god has graced me to do it so if if you haven't learned how to work with other coaches that's something that's going to one day hold you back in this industry because like phil said this is a people business and you got to know how to work with people this is not a basketball business no you need to be solution focused be a problem solver phil dove into that so i'll kind of leave that where it is but coming to things looking for solutions the, the beauty in every problem is there's there's a solution. So that means there's an opportunity for you to do something that nobody else has ever done if you can solve it. Uh, the next one is honesty, even when it's inconvenient. I'm, I'm big on just telling people the truth. If you don't like me, cool, right? Players want to work with someone that tells them the truth, believe it or not. And then my last one, and this is a big one, I got it from Kobe, be childlike, have a curiosity and an ability to adapt. Be childlike, have curiosity, and an ability to adapt. I'll listen to whatever you say as long as you can explain it and help me understand it. You can tell me I'm wrong, and then I'll give you my time if you can explain to me why I'm wrong. I'm curious. But if you come to me and you accuse me of something and you say I'm wrong and you can't explain it, I'm, I'm walking. So we have to have that as coaches. Don't be gullible, but, but make sure you can learn from anyone and anything. Phil, I, I want to give them uh, three books that I think they need to look up and read. The first book is called The Sale. The Sale, S-A-L-E. It was written by John Gordon. Um, Coach Brendan Sir, uh, who coached the Bad Boy Pistons with Chuck Daly, he gave me that book. He told me to study it, to read it. That's when you're going to need a, a, a pen to underline. You're going to need a, a highlighter. It is a big time book on leadership and integrity and how to run your business the right way. It's a fictional book, it's a fable, but it's good for leaders. Number two, Conscious Coaching, Conscious Coaching by Brett Bartholomew. Uh, it is a book on archetypes, archetypes of athletes. So basically like what makes different people or different athletes different. So this athlete is a lone soldier. This athlete is a blah, blah, blah. Like it breaks them down and it gives them cool names, but it helps you to understand who you are so that you can understand also how to communicate with each specific athlete that you work with. It is a dope book. I did my thesis on it in college. I still refer to it to this day. And the last book is called Ego is the Enemy. I read this book for two years while I was coaching in the CBA. I reread it over and over and over again. And it helped me to survive because the, the world of pro coaching and just coaching in general is filled with people with egos. And when you learn that your ego is the enemy, and you make a daily effort every day to crush it, you begin to stop taking things personal and you become invincible and people can't hurt your feelings. They can't move you, they can't shake you. You become unafraid of things. I learned that I was afraid of confrontation and afraid of embarrassment. And so I overcame that when I understood that my ego was the cause for my fear. I had an ego, I didn't want to look bad. Now I'm a little bit better with it. And through studying this book and seeing other historic examples, I see that some of the greatest people of all time, heroes, uh, uh, people who fought in wars, generals, presidents, they use the, the concepts in that book. So 
Um, those are three books that can help you guys. Phil, um, if they have any questions, I'm an open book. They can contact me. Um, thank you guys for your time. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Corey. And uh, real quick, Corey, can you plug the transition where they can find for out? For sure. For sure. So um, I have an online curriculum called The Transition. Um, you can find it on basketballcoachingconsulting.com. Basketballcoachingconsulting.com. I will type it in the chat right now. Okay. Appreciate you. Yo, hope that podcast gave you some value. If it did, please rate, review, and subscribe to this. It only makes the podcast better. I read every single one. And at the very least, go join our group. You'll see the link in the description of this episode. And I will catch you on the next one.